It's officially July. You know what that means. Transfer season. This is the SBI show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Along with me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? How's it going, Garrett? It's going well. It's going to be tough to keep up with uh, with all the latest news coming out of the transfer market for MLS and international. Yeah, oh, it's the best time of the year. Every single day, every single morning when you wake up, you're going to hear you're going to hear about transfers. You're going to hear about rumors. You're going to hear about players coming and going. And for fans of every, all the fans out there who have their favorite European teams, it's that time of year where you pray your team go goes and gets some help. And if you're, and obviously for American soccer fans, it's that time of year where you're praying that your favorite national team players can find a, a good club and make a great move. Well, speaking of national team players finding a great club and a great move, Josie Outdoor has been in the news. Uh, a lot very recently being linked with clubs in uh, England, uh, Italy, and Germany. Um, hopefully he doesn't want go to the one club in England that he's been linked with the most, Sunderland. But, Ivis, what are you hearing the latest on Josie Altidore's front and, and what potential clubs could he be going to? Well, right now the, the word on clubs, I mean, a lot of teams have been identified in the media. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors, obviously, making around. The, the only club that it seems that... There's been a kind of official uh, bid has been made and it's been confirmed as Sunderland, uh, the English club. Uh, I spoke to to Josie's agent uh, recently and and he he did admit that there were two English teams in play and that one of the two teams, and he wouldn't say which, but one of the two teams has made a legitimate offer and is in advanced discussions. Now, uh, reports have come out since then suggesting that Sunderland is that team. Um, so at this point, we don't have full confirmation on that. Uh, I, I have I have heard from sources uh, with knowledge of the of, of the whole transfer saga that uh, teams in Germany and Italy are also in play, and uh, those aren't, aren't the only leagues that that interests have come from. But they're the leagues that that I think Altidore is is actually considering and will consider seriously. Uh, I do know that teams from uh, the Ukraine. Uh, Russia and Turkey also express interest, but uh, he it doesn't look like he's, he has any interest in going to any of those leagues. Uh, so those aren't really in the equation. Um, so it's going to, looks like, it, and I, I'm pretty sure I said this months ago, but it's going to come down to Italy, Italy and Spain, and not, I'm sorry, not Spain, Italy, England, and Germany. Germany is uh, one where it's kind of, you know, come along here. Um, I always thought it'd be either Italy or England, but now Germany is in play. When you talk about Italy, Lazio is a team that has been mentioned in the media um, as a potential opportunity. Uh, from what I'm told, the teams in Italy that are interested are some pretty big teams. Uh, how big, that, that remains to be seen. Um, I, I, I'm sure most U.S. fans would love the idea of, of, of having uh, maybe a Josie Altidore or Michael Bradley combo on Roma. Uh, but again, there's nothing. Nothing's been said on that front. Nothing's been, uh, you know, confirmed on that front. But it's it's we're I'm, we're going to find out pretty soon what the deal is. Uh, I think uh, from what I've been told, it should all uh, be sorted out one way or another in the next two weeks. And uh, at this point, it's not guaranteed that he's leaving. Mm -hmm. But I think it's safe to say if the right offer comes along. AZ will sell Josie Altidore. Well, in a, well, obviously, one, the market's going to be huge for him. I mean, 51 goals in all competitions for AZ. It's unbelievable for him. It's fun to watch his growth over the last year, too, as a player. But what do you think would be the best situation for him? I mean, it could be cool to maybe see a, see him play with on top of Sessegnon at Sunderland, but, 
I mean, is Italy the better place for him for in, in the way he plays? Is Germany, is England? If you think in a perfect world, what would be the best situation for him if he did make a move? Well, I don't know if any of the leagues are bad necessarily for him. I think they each have their, their own strengths. And uh, I know some fans uh, actually don't want him to go to England. I think there's this perception that that he won't do well there. And I know some people might want to look at his time at Hull City and try to gather from that that he's not equipped for that league. I think that's crazy. I don't think anybody – I don't think any – I don't know any forward that would have scored many goals – on that Hull City team that he played on at the time. And let's face it, he's a completely different player now. He, he, he's matured. He's improved uh, tr- tremendously as a player. He's obviously playing with a lot more confidence now. He's, he, he's, it's, uh, you know, a world of difference. So um, he is not going to Hull City, by the way. I did, I did get that confirmed. I know there were, some peop- there were some people who thought maybe, you know, since Hull City is familiar with him, they've, they've been promoted to the Premier League. It makes sense that they would bring, you know, go after Josie Altidore, but that is not the case. He, uh, did, Hull City is not one of the teams in play for him. Um, but I do, I think he could do well in England. I think you, you put him on the right team. I think he could do well. Um, but I tell you what, Germany, Germany is an interesting one. Depending on the club, uh, it, I, I think it'd be a, pr- a pretty good fit for him there. It's a strong league. It's a fast league. It's a, uh, you know, there's. Great attack, great attacking soccer going on in that league, and I think he could fit in well there as well. And and when you talk about going from the Dutch league to the Bundesliga, stylistically, I think it would be it would be probably the smoothest transition of of the leagues that he could he could potentially go to. I saw uh, I think some fans writing stuff if Lewandowski leaves that Altidore would be a perfect fit to fit in at Dortmund. I, I don't know if, if that's real, a realistic uh, target for him. I think, you know, if you're Dorman, you know, you, you're going to have quite a bit of money to spend. It's, it seems like everybody who isn't a target of the biggest clubs, of the Chelsea, Real Madrid, Barcelonas, they want to go play for Dortmund. They want to play for Jurgen Klopp. He's, he's, he's uh, one of the most well-respected managers in Europe right now. And th- th- there's a pretty long list of players that w- would love to go play there. So I think it'd be I think it'd be great for him to go there, um, but I, I don't know if that's a realistic uh, a realistic club as far as just with the the price range that they're in, the money that they can spend, the type of players they can go get. Um, even though they're selling and they're, they've had to sell Mario Gota, and they're probably going to sell Lewandowski, they're gonna they have so much money to spend. I, I, don't, I think they're going to be shopping in a different bracket than than the one Josie Alzuder is. Well, talking about transfers and, and keeping it close to home, you and I talked about this on Sunday. If it was a possibility, speculation, well, it did happen. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra is returning back to Chivas USA. Chivas USA once again gives up stuff for the future, so their future once again it, it takes a hit. They gave up a, to the, I believe, 2014 uh, draft pick for, for for the rights to get 15. 15, excuse me, for the rights to get Carlos Bocanegra. Um, you know, and Carlos Bocanegra, it's, it's an opportunity for him to to come back, and he's I think he said he's like an hour from his house. Um, he's, he was saying in, in his first press conference that he's staying fit, so so maybe we'll see a, uh, a, a Carlos Bocanegra that wants to come back and, and something to prove and prove to people that he's not, you know, as 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 getting old as everyone's saying, or his is, is talent is diminishing. Well, I think he's still, I think he still can be, and I think he will be a quality uh, defender in MLS. Um, you know, I think some people maybe have written him off already, but I think he still has quite a bit to offer. I still don't think people should write him off for the national team, even though at this point you wonder 
is he someone that Klinsman has decided to rule out because of his age? Maybe he doesn't see him. Proje- maybe he doesn't project him as a as someone who's going to be a, a real viable option a year from now. Um, but you know, at, at his age right now, he still has a lot left in the tank, in my opinion. And if you're Chivas USA, you need to sort out that defense. I think he's a he's the perfect player to bring in there, be a leader, be a you know kind of. I don't know if he'll be the captain, but you know, be one of those leaders and an anchor in the back. So, and, and again, Chivas is not done. Uh, my, my sources have told me that, that they have two young Mexican forwards on the way, two quality, uh, pretty highly rated former Mexican under-20 strikers that um, if, you know, both these guys are coming in the next week or so, and, and with those two additions, I think all of a sudden you're talking about finally some real progress when it comes to building that that team We've all we've heard about is all the players that have left that team, but with these three additions, I think that's uh, that's a step in the right direction. Also, uh, Eric Avila is back too. He didn't go to uh, Guadalajara. He was back with Chivas USA for the rest of the season, also. So that's a that's another good thing for 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 the goats. It, it is, but I tell you what, it's interesting. He he did not go on loan. What was what? Uh, I'll from what I'm hearing, this is what my sources are telling me. Chivas USA wanted to send him to Guadalajara. Gua- uh, he wanted to Guadalajara wanted Eric Avila. They wanted to take him on loan, and from what I understand, MLS uh, stepped in and basically said, "Look, we're not just going to give away a player." Um, you know, so basically, the, from what I understand, the league stepped in and said, "Yeah, this is not a move that that should be done." Um, so that's why he's on his way back now. And and you know what? The, I, I think. You know, if you're talking about Chivas USA and what they need, I mean, they don't need to be losing any more players. Now, you obviously you feel for a player like Eric Avila because you, I'm sure that if he was heading down to Mexico, he was going to make a little more money, probably a lot more money. But you know, you can understand why MLS would be a little hesitant about allowing that that precedent because it, it almost feels like they're just cleaning shop there with trading away all these pieces and all these future commodities, and then now you're talking about loaning a player. Uh, you know, you, you have to wonder what's going on there. Um, so it's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to watch to see now how Avila responds, and now he's gonna looks he is gonna be with the goats for the rest of the season. Well, with these additions, hopefully Chivas USA is gonna have a better second half than first half of the season. Speaking of which, we are currently at the midway point of the season. Uh, let's take a look back and see who's been the best in MLS for the first half of the season. That's right, Garrett. It's time to start talking about awards, and obviously we have a whole other half of the season to go. But mm-hmm. it's always it's always a good thing to to you know take stock once you get to the midway point and look back and just try to figure out who has been the best in MLS so far. So it's time to do our SBI show midseason MLS awards. We're gonna do uh, MVP, rookie, coach, newcomer, defender, goalkeeper, and most improved. Ivis, I'll start with you. Who's your MVP? Uh, I think we should go in the reverse order, man. We want to save MVP for oh, last. Say, it's okay, the biggest okay. award. All know. right, so so you want to start with uh, most improved. Okay, I'll, I'll, you go first for most improved. You and I disagree on this one. Okay, so, uh, well, obviously, as you guys know, uh, most improved, there is no, the MLS does not give out a most improved player award, even though they should, and even though it's a completely deserving award. Um, they, they they have the the completely, like, hard to understand uh, comeback player award, which we're not even going to get into the problems with that award, but we we at SBI and on the SBI show we do the most improved player award, 
And my vote as of right now, midpoint of the season, most improved player is Rodney Wallace of the Portland Timbers. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Diego Fagundes of the New England Revolution because of the that one month that he had that carried the Revolution back into the playoff picture. Well, I'll tell you what. The the reason, like for me, it's not really a contest is Fagundes, even last year, you know, he, he still wasn't a full-time starter, but he was still considered a prodigy. He was considered a player who is going to be a star, young talent, the future for that team. He had two goals and two assists last year. Uh, Rodney Wallace was with the Portland Timbers last year was look, you know, was considered a horrible, you know, by his own fans was considered a shaky defender, lost the starting job. Wasn't, you know, wasn't in the plans for the future. And this year under the guidance of Caleb Porter, he's blossomed into an unbelievable attacking player, four goals and five assists. They've been a truly dynamic force on the wing for them. And, and just for me, if you, I tell you what, if before the season began, if you told people, Rodney Wallace and Diego Fagundes would be would be having amazing years. One of those, they people would laugh at you, and, and it would not be Fagundes. Most people would be laughing at you at the, especially Timbers fans would have laughed at you before the season if you told them Rodney Wallace would be up for most improved. Why you got to? Why do you got to kill my? Why do you got to kill my pick? Oh, you know what? No, listen, Fagundes <laughs> is on the ballot. I'll get, I'll give you that one. I, I would say he for me is on the ballot. But I, I got to go with Rodney Wallace. Um, for goalkeeper, you and I both have Donovan Ricketts. It's obviously his performances for the Portland Timbers the whole season. No, I, I don't. I don't have Donovan Ricketts. You don't? I thought you did. You lied to me. No man, no man. You lied. Well, I, I, I can't give. Ricketts. I can't give all the awards to the Portland Timbers. So uh, the goalkeeper for me, Nick Romando. I think he's having an outstanding season. Is the best goals against average, uh, and he's been one of the key reasons that uh, Real Salt Lake has been able to transition after losing so many players in the offseason. Uh, and and here they are sitting on top of the Western Conference. Um, for defender, uh, I have Matt Beasler. Who do you have? Uh, Matt Beasler is probably at least in my top three, but uh, I'm going to go with a little bit of a different take there. I have to go with the toughest defender on what is still, the as of right now, the, the best defense in the league is allowed the fewest goals in the league. That's the New England Revolution, and I'm going to go with Jose Gonzalez, it's been an absolute force for the Revs. You know, he's, he doesn't have the same fanfare of Beastler, who, you know, obviously has, has been great uh, with the national team. But, uh, you know, hey, national team games, that does not count in here when you're talking about factoring in uh, for the Defender Award. We're talking about MLS play. And for me, Gonzalez has been absolutely vital to New England's uh, impressive start of the first half of the season. Uh, for newcomer of the year, uh, we, we also disagree on this one. I have a Claudio Beeler, which you said was a good pick, but you're convinced that yours is better than mine. Again, well, I, I would say this about Beeler. You know, he he had a pretty long run there where he did he wasn't scoring. He had, a, I believe, he had an eight game run where he only scored in one game. Uh, he's starting to heat up again now. Here, two goals in the past three games, so he's starting to warm up again. But for me, a player who has brought it every single game and has been one of the key reasons. Why FC Dallas has 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 exceeded expectations by quite a bit, and that's Michel Garbini, the Brazilian, uh, the set piece master, the the free kick specialist. Uh, the guy can score on corners, he can score on regular set pieces, he can assist. It's it's amazing what he's been able to do, and he has been an absolute steal of a find, a great find by FC Dallas. Uh, for my uh, coach of the year, I'm going to go with the, the number one coach in the league right now. That's Jason Kreiss for how he's been able to guide his team this whole season long. 
you know, I, I, I have no problems with that pick. And listen, he's done a great job, uh, as I said, you know, transitioning uh, a team that, lo- you know, lost, uh, shook its roster up, got rid of Will Johnson, Fabian Espindola, Hamasun Olave. Uh, but again, they've reloaded, they, they, they've restocked the shelves, and, and he's been able to help them transition. Uh, I, but that's not my pick. I have to go with the actual person who I picked before the season to be my coach of the year. And that's Caleb Porter, because I tell you what, Riasso Lake, I said before the year that they would still be one of the top teams and they, they're proving to be that. But I can tell you what, not many people would have pegged the Portland Timbers to be considered one of the top teams in the league, to be right near the top of the Western Conference standings and to be riding a 15 match unbeaten streak in MLS play an 18 match unbeaten streak in all competitions. Uh, the Timbers are crushing it. They're only getting better. And you have to give all the credit to Caleb Porter. Uh, for rookie of the year, I have Dylan Powers for, you know, obviously the way that he and the rest of his team, well, I mean, Colorado's just having an unbelievable season this year, but I go with Dylan Powers for this one. And that finally, we I think we finally agree. We finally agree on one. <laughs> um, there, there's been, you know, some rookies who've really had good seasons so far. Obviously, you have DeAndre Yedlin, Andrew Farrell, Adam John, who, if you want to talk about the surprise rookie, uh, you know, he wasn't even in the regular draft, uh, and he's been, been just an absolute steal for San Jose Earthquakes. But Dylan Powers, the way that he has stepped into an MLS midfield and been a real force in 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 midfield. Midfield is not an easy place to play um, in MLS, especially for rookies. But he has stepped right in and, and hasn't missed a beat. And with all the injuries that Colorado's had... He is one of the reasons why they, they were able to put up results and why they, they're still in the playoff conversation as we are midway through the season. And we also agree on MVP. For both of us, it's Will Johnson. Statistically, he's having one of the best seasons he's ever had. His leadership on and off the field. So I get Will Johnson, obvious MVP right now. MVP, it's about what you do on the field, and he's been outstanding. He has been the engine in the middle for them, driving that attack. Uh, and and also bolstering the defense. He's just you know he's a box to box player. He gets the job done. He can score. He converts penalty kicks. He does it all. And and you know he's war- he's taking the armband and he's just been everything you could possibly want in a captain. He uh, you know there are other candidates out there. You can you can definitely argue Jack McInerney, Marco Devayo, Mike McGee, who although he was traded and is, has been on two teams this year, he was great. He's been great for both, and he has scored in every single game for the Fire. So I tell you what, if he keeps it going, McGee's going to be right there at the end. But for me, right now, midway point of the season, I got to go Will Johnson. And that was the MLS midpoint of the season award show from Ivis and Ivis. And I have a full article up on the website soccerbyivis.net tomorrow about all this and, and obviously further detail. Speaking of which, tons of MLS midweek games. Uh, being played on uh, Wednesday, also being played on Thursday. Then you have the U.S. playing on Friday, but lots of midweek games. Uh, let's quickly go over a couple games that Ivis has pointed out. First one, we're going to have Sporting Kansas City versus, first, excuse me, the Vancouver Whitecaps. Whitecaps going to be missing um, some players due to uh, being called up to the Canadian Gold Cup. I, I think in this one, Sporting Kansas City will, uh, I, I think Vancouver's run of, of, uh, of wins lately might come to an end against Sporting Kansas City here. Yeah, I think, I think I agree with you there. I think it's a it's it's a tough one. I think Vancouver has taken advantage a bit of uh, of some weak opponents lately. Uh, that said, you still have to give them credit because they, they've been able to put the points on the board. Uh, but for me, I think Kansas City is a team that's going to start coming around. I think now that they've had Graham Zussi and Matt Beisler back, you've got Mike, you have Kai Kamara 
uh, heating up. You have Claudio Beeler starting to find the net. I, I think they're ready to find their form. And, and I think, you know, at home they're such a tough team to beat. Uh, I think you have to give them the nod. And then on Wednesday, San Jose is going to be on the road taking on the Chicago Fire. I don't know if, one, they're going to have enough. Uh, <laughs> you wonder if they're going to have another Goonies say die attitude. But then again, Chicago has a secret weapon of their own. Mike McGee scoring late goals. Maybe we could see, uh, maybe every goal in this game, Ivis, will be after the 80th minute. Okay, number one, Mike McGee is not a secret anymore. Everybody <laughs> knows he scores goals every single game. Uh, as for San Jose, I feel like Alan Gordon only punishes teams that have let him go. So I think Chicago is safe in that front. Uh, I think the fire with their defense is going to be able to, to match up pretty well. I think Austin Berry and Baki Samari, you have a big and physical center back tandem. They'll be able to deal with San Jose's uh, forwards. And remember, Chris Wondolowski is with the uh, U.S. national team for the Gold Cup, so he's not there. Uh, I, I think the fire, I got to give the fire the edge. You know Mike McGee's going to score, right? I mean, there's no way he won't because he scores every single game for the fire. I got to go with Chicago. Uh, and then Real Salt Lake's going to be taking on the Philadelphia Union. Th- this is an interesting game because the Union are, are going to be without Jack McInerney, their leading scorer. So you wonder who's going to stop, Connor Casey, Special Latute, Wheeler, someone else. And then RSL is going to be without Beltran, Beckerman, uh, Ramondo, and Sabarillo. It, it's you talk about just depleted roster, especially the, their key players. Um, what do you think is going to happen in this one, Ivis? Well, even though Real Salt Lake is missing more players, uh, Philly is missing two players. They're actually miss, also missing Keon Daniel. I think uh, Real Salt Lake's depth is the it gives them the edge because while they're missing those players, they have the bench to turn to. Uh, with the Union, when you lose Jack McInerney, they just don't have someone who can replace him because it's not just about the goals with McInerney. It's also the, the runs that he makes, uh, the space he creates for his teammates by making those perfect runs and, and draws defenders toward him. Uh, I think Philly's going to miss that. I think you know for them to have to go on the road midweek, play at altitude against Salt Lake, I just think, I just think it's going to be too much to ask. Real Salt Lake is going to be fine. Uh, even even without the players they're missing, I think Omez Garcia is going to do some damage again. Jao uh, Plata, I think those guys are, are going to be just fine. Javier Morales is still going to be there. I think they have too many weapons. I think Salt Lake wins. Uh, Colorado coming off that thrilling victory over Montreal, four to three over the past weekend. I mean, you read the comments from the players. Emotions are high for them. They're saying that maybe this could be a turning point of the season. And now you look at the schedule. New York's coming into town. If Colorado could beat New York. I mean, you wonder what that message will send to the league that they beat the number one and number two team in the East. I mean, I think Colorado's prime, and you wonder if they can get that victory in this game. Do you think that can happen, Ivis? Colorado traditionally plays 4th of July, and it traditionally played the New York Red Bulls in Colorado. And the Red Bulls, and before that, when they were the Metro Stars, cannot win there. They've had one win in Colorado on the 4th of July. They've been battered and abused in their trips there. Uh, to the altitude in Colorado, it's just, it's just, it's just how it is. It's just been like that for years. Even in, even in seasons when Colorado wasn't doing well and the Red, and the Red Bulls were doing well, Colorado would still not just beat them, but beat them badly. I don't know what it is. It's like a curse. Uh, but you know what? I think it's going to happen again. I think the Red Bulls are going to go to Colorado and they're going to get beaten up. LA Galaxy are going to be taking on the Columbus Crew. No Landon Donovan. This game also on July 4th. Both teams are struggling right now, Crew and Galaxy. What do you think is going to happen in this? Well, listen, they obviously had a real bad meltdown in that San Jose loss. Uh, But that being said, I I think even though they're missing Landon Donovan, I think Robbie Keane 
was unbelievable in that San Jose game. He should have had like five or six assists if his teammates could finish. I think he's going to take charge in this game. And it comes down to Omar Gonzalez. It really does. If Omar Gonzalez play on it, if he's on his game and he plays his game and avoids the mistakes, LA will win. That that doesn't just go for this game. That goes for all games. If he can get his act together, LA will be fine again. They'll get they'll get their act together. They'll get back on that title chase. But if he keeps on having these late game meltdowns and these brain farts that he keeps on having, they are going to lose. Because tell you what, Colorado with Iguain and Oduro will absolutely pounce on the, on the stakes. So I still like L.A. I think Robbie Keane has a big game. I think they're going to win at home. And on uh, July 5th, there's no MLS games, uh, but there's going to be a U.S. men's national team that we can all celebrate after July 4th. Uh, I guess you and I will have a show later this week. We'll break down more of the roster, but there's still some news coming out of, of the camp. Corey Ash has joined the team, and we're still rating word on Josh Gatt. What's the latest on these two players? Well, uh, it looks like Josh Gett had an MRI, and we're, we're still waiting for word on that. I, I reached out to some sources, and uh, it sounds like the, everything's still being kept under wraps. I think it's safe to say we'll know tomorrow. Uh, we'll know on Wednesday, uh, one way or the other, if he's going to stay, uh, if he's going to join the team, or if he's going to be replaced on the roster. Uh, as for Corey Ash, uh, he, it turns out the injury he had was a thigh contusion, which is kind of you know pretty much what I thought it was. And like I said on the last show, you know, I had a feeling Jurgen Klinsmann would bring him in, let let him rehab that, let him get over that. Um, you don't need him to play right away, but you want to have him in camp. So that's great news for Corey Ash because he's absolutely earned the opportunity to show what he can do. And we'll have much more coverage of the U.S. men's national team taking on Guatemala July 5th. When Ivis and I do a show later this week, obviously, check the website. Uh, Ivis has the preview, other news, latest information, all that stuff about the U.S. men's national team. Uh, keeping it international soccer, the U-20 World Cup is currently going on right now. Yeah, that's the one that the U.S. was eliminated in. Uh, Mexico's out, so I guess U.S. fans have something to celebrate. Um, but <laughs> Spain and France have advanced to the next round. Um, what's the latest happening out there? Well, I'll tell you what. If you're a U.S. fan and you know you, you came away disgusted and dejected about the U.S. team's performance in the Under-20 World Cup, uh, I think you couldn't have asked for a better... Uh, consolation prize uh, than what the results we've seen in the round of 16 because uh, not only did Mexico get eliminated, but we've seen two of the teams in the U.S.'s group advance to the quarterfinals and not just an advance in, in great in dramatic fashion. Spain eliminated Mexico. They scored two goals late in the game to knock them out. Uh, they, you know, it took them 70 minutes. They showed their quality at the end. There was still one of the favorites to win the whole thing. And then you have France, who destroyed Turkey in their the host nation in the round of 16 match. And the reason that's consolation for the U.S. fans is because it just shows you. We we said it all along. That group was ridiculously strong. And now you got two teams in the quarters, and you could have a third with Ghana still to play. Ghana's taking on Portugal. That's also on July 3rd. Wednesday uh, at that U20 World Cup. You know, I was, there's this interesting development that I've noticed on your website. The city of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, has been in the news a lot for some soccer-related reasons. And if anyone really hasn't kept up, it's kind of interesting. Between expansion rights for USL Pro and NASL, where, where they're announcing franchises, I was, you've been keeping up with the latest on this. What's happening right now in Oklahoma City? I'll tell you what, it's become... A big tug-of-war in Oklahoma City. You have the NASL and you have USL Pro, these these bitter rivals in American lower division soccer. Uh, and, they're, and they're duking it out now for Oklahoma City 
Uh, now you've had both leagues. Well, you didn't. You had <laughs> USL Pro on Tuesday announced that they are awarding a, a team to Oklahoma City. Uh, but the day before that, on Monday, you st- you had news leak that uh, NASL is about to hear a proposal for an expansion team from Oklahoma City. And it's just in- interesting the timing of it all that you know that that information about the NASL and Oklahoma City comes out the night before the USL Pro announcement. So it's all a little interesting. There's talk of lawsuits uh, being thrown around as these two leagues that, you know, have, have been rivals and will be rivals uh, kind of duke it out for, for the turf that's all over the country. Speaking of the NASL, uh, the New York Cosmos still very active in, in signing players and, and, and making their stake in the New York soccer scene. Uh, Z, uh, excuse me, Danny Satella has signed with the Cosmos. Uh, what does that signing mean, mean for them, Ivis? Well, it's an interesting one because, you know, as we know, they're, they're trying to make uh, plant their roots in the in the area and bring in players with local ties. And, and Danny Zatella is a perfect example of the kind of player you'd like to see the Cosmos bring in. You know, he, he's a, you know, for U.S. fans with good memories, he was a key player on the U.S. under-20 team in 2007. He was on the Olympic team in 2008. He actually has three national team caps. But he's a player who had injuries really sideline his career, and he's been out of action uh, since 2010, really. So, you know, it looks like he's over the knee issues. Now he's back. He's going to try to work his way back up up the ladder. And it's and it's great to see, you know, because he's still he's still relatively young. You're talking about 26 years old. You'd like to think he still has something that he can offer. And he, and the Cosmos, you got to give him credit. You know, they're, they're, they're really busy, uh, you know, trying to build that team. And, and one of the more interesting uh, developments lately is the fact that they were actually in talks with Massimo Ambrosini, the longtime AC Milan midfielder for his services, and it sounds like they 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 were in a pretty good spot to maybe bring him in and add him to Marco Senna, uh, but Fiorentina came in and pretty much uh, you know has whisked him away. It looks like that deal is going to happen now. So Ambrosini is not coming to to the Cosmos, but you know if you're a Cosmos fan, and yes, the Cosmos fans do exist. I've met some already. Uh, you know, you have to feel good about what your team is doing to build this team. Ivis, as we approach the end of the show, it's time for the, as always, very popular SBI Q&A. Uh, before the show, Ivis will always tweet out a question. So if you want your question answered, pay attention to Ivis's Twitter account. That way you'll know when we're going to do the Q&A. First question comes from Matthew Mueller. The question is, why doesn't Josie stay at AZ? Wouldn't it be nice to develop a partnership with Aaron Johansson? Well, I'll tell you what, it, I'm not going to say it's impossible that he stays at AZ, but I, I don't think the whole Johansson arrival thing is, an, is really a factor of anything. I think they bought Johansson as long-term, as a long-term replacement for Altidore. So, you know, I, I think right now it's going to come down to money, and, and if the right size offer comes, and if and it's a club that Altidore feels good about, you're going to see a move. And, uh, you know, I, I do kind of agree that it'd be nice to see Johansson and Altidore together and maybe get Johansson to commit to the U.S. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe just keep Josie there and, and, and just he's like, you know, <laughs> recruiting. Yeah, does, just does recruiting? Just yeah. US, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen, though. Yeah. I think he's going to go. Next question from Sam. Could uh, Ancelotti be the one to revive Kaká's career? Well, you know, that's what people thought. You know, that obviously they had the great time together at AC Milan, but it seems like Kaká is now leaning towards going back to Brazil. Which for American fans and MLS fans, you got to be a little disappointed that you couldn't get Kaká to come to MLS, since that was always kind of a 
something that people thought could happen. And uh, I'm sure the Red Bulls thought it could happen, which is why they signed his brother to a $200,000 contract that, you know, when he doesn't even play. Um, but it looks like he's leaning towards going to Sao Paulo, returning to the club uh, that, you know, he played for before he went to Europe. Uh, and I don't know if that'd be a terrible move, you know. He, it, clearly, uh, uh, Scolari, the Brazil manager, uh, has a lot of respect for the Brazilian, Brazilian league, so I don't think it'll hurt Kaká's chances when it comes to the World Cup. And I think right now that is the most important thing for Kaká, which is to be on that World Cup team in Brazil next summer. Uh, next question is from Frank Cabina. The question is, how good is Bobby Wood of 1860 Munich? And do you see him getting capped for the Nats? I believe that's national team, not the baseball nationals, uh, in the near future. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I haven't seen a ton of Bobby Wood. I, I remember seeing him quite a bit with the with the U-20s. And at that time, thinking he was one of the best players on that team. Uh, you, you're talking about somebody with uh, a forward with good skill, really good pace. Uh, and obviously, Jurgen Klinsmann liked what he saw. And reports out of Germany are that he wanted him on the Gold Cup team. Uh, but the 1860, man- 1860 manager convinced Klinsman to let him stay with the club because he has plans to have him play this year, have him, have him start even possibly this year. So I think he's definitely someone to watch. Um, you know, he's young. He's still young. So I don't know at what point he's going to end up on the national team, but I think he's someone who is absolutely on the radar at this point. Uh, next question comes from, from Big D, Daniel Robertson, the man, FC Dallas guy. Question is, if you could pick one player from the U-20 team to put on the Gold Cup roster, who would it be and why? Also, Daniel doesn't know how to do the hashtag Ask the SBI Show in one tweet. So, come on, Daniel. Step your game up. Right. He just tried to get that really long question in, and he just chooses to leave out the hashtag. But we'll, 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 we'll hold it against him because he's he's uh, clearly shown himself to be a pretty good uh, color analyst. So we'll, <laughs> we'll be nice to him so when he becomes a big star, he'll he'll still remember us. Um, back to the question. That's a tough one. Actually, it's a really good question because I can tell you right now, everybody in Seattle is saying, oh, DeAndre Yedlin, DeAndre Yedlin. I'll tell you what, folks. Let, let Take it easy with DeAndre Yedlin. Let him move along at his pace. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about him at the Gold Cup, to be honest with you, at this point. Uh, it's a tough one. Who, who, who would I bring in? Shane O'Neill, for me, was the best player on the U-20s, but again... He's, as a young center back, I don't think you want to bring him to the Gold Cup either. Uh, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to think on this team. Who? I tell you what, I'll go Luis Gill. I'd love to bring him in, put him on the, put him on the Gold Cup team. I've, obviously, there's quite a few midfield options, but I think it'd be interesting to see how he could fit in playing alongside the likes of Stuart Holden, Joe Corona, Landon Donovan. I think that, I think that could bring the best out of him. And I think he's shown in his time at Real Salt Lake that he can play well in a good system with good players around him. Uh, next question comes from uh, Sebesor. Do you see other southwestern cities like Albuquerque or El Paso being NASL targets? Well, I'm going to leave that one to you since you are the southwestern USA expert. So you go right ahead and answer that one. Um, you know, the thing was, I think El Paso actually could do. I mean, El Paso is a very rich soccer history. I mean, the El Paso Patriots play there. They're the PDL now but they've been in higher division soccer once before. And then the uh, the city of Juarez, which is right next to El Paso, it's like, they, I mean, the cities touch each other. Um, I mean, they used to have a Mexican uh, team in, in the La Liga that did really, really, really well. Uh, Indios de uh, Ciudad Juarez, I mean, they, they went bankrupt um, in uh, 2011, and the team disbanded. But, 
You know, El Paso, you know, between if you take El Paso and the city of, of Juarez, I mean, you have 3 million people living in that area. I think it could do well there. And as an Arizona snob, Albuquerque, no. Just just no. Stop it. Hey, hey, listen. Do not diss the ABQ. All right, buddy? Anyone who's a fan of Breaking Bad knows that Albuquerque is a great city. It so. is. It, is a, it really is a great city. <laughs> Albuquerque is a very beautiful city. So is Santa Fe. I mean, New Mexico is actually has some beautiful cities, but no. no. Well, I, you know what? I, I'd love to see a team in Albuquerque, if only for the off chance that we could have some soccer references on the on the final season of Breaking Bad. You know, I've honestly, I've I've never watched an episode of Breaking Bad. Really? Yeah, I'm being serious. Dude, listen, man. I tell you what, when you have a lot of free time, you need to grind through as many of those episodes as you can. I give you, I tell you what, if you watch the first five episodes, you will be hooked. How do you have you, you out of all people? I don't have free time. How do you have free time? I'm on the road a lot. So, and, you know, when things like Netflix, you can power through episodes quickly. True. Like, you know, an hour episode takes 40 minutes. So I actually watched Breaking Bad over the course of like two weeks where I had a lot of travel. And actually at that time, I had a lot more free time on my hands than I do now. So you it's know, probably, it, it would be tougher for me to do that now than it was, you know, a year or so ago. I have one more thing that we need to talk about before we close out the show. Uh, it came out on Tuesday night, this messy and all-star friend situation where they had to cancel a game. Um, in LA, what's the latest on this this messy situation? That's kind of that's kind of a little ugly right now. Well, it's definitely disappointing uh, if you're a fan of, of Lionel of Lionel Messi. Uh, he he had scheduled a few uh, friendlies in the U.S. Uh, exhibition matches, featuring uh, himself and and some international star players. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the game there were the match in scheduled for July third in Los Angeles, has been canceled. And it was canceled one day before the match. Uh, so needless to say, a lot of people in L.A. are, are pretty upset right now. Um, but just from you know what my sources have told me, it seemed like it was doomed from the start, just logistically, and, and it just wasn't a realistic uh, event, and it wasn't really that well promoted. Uh, and the crazy thing about it is Messi played in a similar match on Tuesday night, like he played in Lima, Peru. Uh, it was Messi versus Neymar. And well, actually, it was a great match. It was a fun match to watch. I watched it online. Uh, but the plan was he played in this uh, friendly in Peru and was and is, and was supposed to fly to L.A. Him and, and, and a bunch of these star players uh, from Europe. Well, a lot of them, a lot of them are from South America, uh, Brazilians, Argentinians, uh but and they were going to fly to LA and land in LA three hours before the game at the LA Coliseum on Wednesday. It didn't come off. The promoters are throwing Ben Messi under the bus. Uh, in their, you know, they, they put out a press release about the cancellation and pretty much said he chose not to fulfill his obligations. And it's 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 a little crazy, you know. And if you're in LA, you bought tickets, you, you know, you have to feel for people who actually put their money down and thought they would see Messi. And it's all, and I tell you what, things could only get worse now. Uh, he has a match scheduled for Saturday in Chicago. Similar deal, Messi and friends versus the rest of the world. You're supposed to have quite a few star players there. You're always going to have a couple of Americans there as well. At least that was the rumor. Boca Negra, uh, Michael Bradley was supposed to be involved. Uh, but now from what my sources are telling me, they might not even have enough players to, to make that match happen. So right now... It's in a bit of jeopardy. It hasn't been canceled yet. Uh, it's supposed to air on ESPN on Saturday. So, you know, if I'm a betting man, I would bet that they'll find a way 
to get some star players to come and fill out the rosters that they need. But right now, things are looking a little shaky. They could call Steve Nash. I'm sure he'll get some guys out. Well, I tell you what, uh, you, you got to start looking at what MLS teams are on a bye week uh, over the weekend, and uh, I have a feeling you might see if maybe maybe you'll see a couple of MLS players or maybe a couple of uh, US players who uh, happen to be available, and and you might see a bit more of an American presence in that game in Chicago if it happens. And I tell you what, I really do hope it happens because I know a lot of fans in the Chicago area. Are looking forward, have been looking forward to that game. Have bought tickets to that game. It's in Soldier Field. I'm sure they're going to draw a, a great crowd. But again, they need some players. From what I hear, they still need a few, a, a few, a few players, and not just any warm body. They obviously want to have a game featuring two teams full of star players. Well, Ivis, uh, that wraps up the midweek show. What are, you, what are you doing for the fourth? What are you doing for the fourth on Thursday? Well, I'll tell you, we just redid the backyard, and uh, I will be building my new grill, and uh, we're going to be doing a little barbecuing. So uh, barbecue slash pool and slash relaxation for once. That sounds like a pretty good Fourth of July. It, it hopefully will be, and some adult beverages uh, on the side, and, uh, get, and we'll get ready for our Friday morning uh, July 5th air, uh, taping of episode 47, so we can... Uh, complete our our promise to our listeners that we will have three shows this week. Oh, I thought we were going to record the show Thursday night after a few drinks. Uh, you know what? That might that might make for an interesting show. Actually, I'd be be curious to see how you sound. Maybe you'll you'll slow down a little bit. <laughs> this guy, this guy's jokes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ivis, uh, have have a good fourth. Don't worry, I've on me, man. I will have a good fourth as well. What are you doing? What are you doing on the fourth? Of July? I, uh, you know, one of the benefits of Phoenix is that since it's so flat, I live in one of like the three high rises in the whole city. Mind you, like the tallest building in Phoenix is like maybe forty stories. Um, but outside, my I did this last year. I, on my balcony, I can see like three fireworks shows within that are like maybe at most three miles away at three different times. So. I'm going to have some friends over, have a party, watch the fireworks on my balcony, have a good time. That's pretty good. That sounds like a pretty good uh, – pretty, not, don't don't drink too much because you're going to have to wake up pretty early on Friday so we can do our show. I, have a, I don't drink anymore, man. That's what happens when you get old. Got to stop drinking. Uh, drinking makes you older? I didn't know that. It kills me, man. I, I, think I, I think I had too much of a good time between the ages of uh, 21 to 24. Oh, there you go. You you burned yourself out. Yeah, I kind of did. Too much fun. Twenty-five year old burnout. That's what happens. Well, that's what happens. You teach wakeboarding in the Bahamas for for some time. That's why this. That wraps up the show today, man. Have a good fourth. Everyone else also have a good fourth. I'll talk to you uh, later this week, guys. Yes, sir. Everyone have, like I said, a good fourth. Thank you for listening to the SBI show. Who cares?